Hannibal premiered on NBC on April 4th, 2013. Let's put 42 minutes and 55 seconds on the clock. Pilot study, Chris and Grimes. They're talking all of your favorite shows. But only the pilot episode. That means the first show, in case you didn't know. Never know what show they're gonna talk about. But they're only gonna talk about the first one. And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. Hello and welcome to Pilot Study episode number 11. Yeah, 10 or 11. I'm, I'm sadly not sure, but we're I, up there. I want to start every show where we're supposed to be full of facts and information with a question. Mostly about like episode numbers and other really, really, th- just things that we should probably know. Okay, that'll keep me in check. That's a good idea. I'll research. Uh, my name is Chris Leatine, and I am your host, and I am joined, as always, by Grimes! Insert Jamaican dance hall horn. <laughs> Wait, What's is, up? Is the dance hall horn native to Jamaica? Uh, I think so. I, I mean, I like to think so. I, hmm. It fits. Hmm. So, today we're talking, now that we've gotten that, the racist part out of the way in this episode... Today we're talking about Hannibal. Yes, we are. Now, we've already discussed this over text message. You always let me know what you think about the shows, especially ones that you haven't watched before. And I think we're going to have to drop the steel cage, man. This is the first one. Yeah. This is the first one that we vastly disagree on. So let's drop the cage. Let's get into Hannibal. What were your issues? All right, well, I don't even know where to begin, I guess, with that <laughs> whack-ass vision right at the beginning. Okay, the vision. So- like, first of all, let me preface this by saying that I am a total snob, and I can admit this, when it comes to network television shows, I think, like, they all have to win me over. I automatically assume they're going to be shit, and I'm usually right. And so, uh, this we're, one was we're, we're talking complete... we're talking the major networks NBC ABC CBS those type of things and Fox okay. and the CW and definitely the CW anything That's from it. the CW has to win me over ten times over. That's as low as I'll go. But <laughs> <laughs> so, but I I actually am not gonna one hundred percent say this was bad. It was extremely well done. It was well acted. Um, actors don't write what they say; they just have to say it well. And I think they did their best. Um, okay. So your your but, issues began at the see this is the only issue I think that we are going to share is like the the insinuation no I love the music the insinuation yeah. is that he has like some kind of powers and I think yes. that's, that's what you're yes. talking about with the vision at the beginning so continue all right so yes I am not down I'm so over cops or any kind of crime team. Whether they're in the Navy or in Las Vegas, like with people who are just random ass goodwill hunting geniuses that can see the future or see the past or stop time or read people's minds, like this guy has the gift of pure empathy. <laughs> so he can put himself in the minds of a death or a murder victim. I, and I, I like have a, a sicko. I have a theory on your hatred for Will Graham. All right. I feel like Will Graham is the exact opposite of you in terms of personality and that he <laughs> and that his character is designed 
to have zero empathy so that he may step into the into the shoes of anybody and everybody including killers you on the other hand have no empathy See, I think that's false. I think, you know, deep down, I am definitely you have a, a little emo, bit. sad boy. <laughs> You've seen me cry at a concert, two concerts almost. Okay, well, I uh, Kanye is like kind of like, we, we uh, before we started this podcast, we were talking about how we don't believe in God, but that's only because you already have a God, and his name right. is Kanye. So his you, name is Kanye West. You're, you're just, a mo- you're just into, into monotheism, that's all. And now... Half of our listeners are exiting this podcast <laughs> because I've mentioned the divisive character of Kanye. But Continue. in any case, like I, I'm just not down with powers. Okay, so that was issue number one. He sees the thing. Number two, this is almost like a shot-for-shot shot remake of an episode of Dexter. And I broke this down. If you want, if you want to hear my full analysis of that, break it down. Now, what season are we? I've never seen Dexter, so give me a little every refresher. season, every episode, <laughs> every episode. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so, I, now okay. is it a copy of Dexter or is it a copy of procedural shows with serial murderers in them? Well, I think both because okay. Dexter ended up as that. Okay. Um, but so you have the nerd with powers. A, this is your Dexter, which would be your your boy Will Graham. Mm-hmm. And you have the. I'm gonna start. Uh, I'm not gonna call him Will Graham. I'm gonna call him Bizarro Grimes. Okay, Bizarro Grimes' boss would be a fiery latino um just like dexter except this time they use fishburn which you know so not a white they're using a non-white actor so that non-white this this is your comparison so far (laughs) a a quirky asian just like dexter's buddy okay um who was the lady asian who was also the same as the fiery latina in brooklyn 99 that's like an interchangeable character i'm finding in tv Okay. So far, you haven't gotten you have yourself his, in too much trouble. Then you, well, I'm not trying to be racist. I'm saying this is like the world that are checking all the boxes to okay. not be racist. Right. You know what I mean? In the casting process, they are attempting to be diverse in quotes, in that they are casting the same races in the generally the same roles and the same functions in a story. In an in an attempt to be not racist, they're being racist by selecting only certain races in certain types of roles is my, what I'm playing. My job on the podcast is to take what you gotta you bring say, me back. Yeah, bring first off just kind of level you out and then bring the academic uh approach to it. So keep going. Right. And then you have his lady that he's for sure gonna have sex with and they're not gonna show it, even though they can show mm-hmm. murdered bloody corpses every five seconds splayed out on deer antlers you can't show a breast okay unless it's a murdered breast with blood all over it then it's, <laughs> then it's completely so that's cool that for, other doctor for, uh, se- seventh graders yeah right. um alana bloom bloom yeah that's who he's gonna bone they even show it in the like coming soon on hannibal like they flash forward and the, all my predictions come true <laughs> okay keep going. so i felt like it was just another show like that but it's hamstrung by being on network tv so the corn factor is like really high god we are really far apart on this this is surprising sorry man (laughs) there's dead bodies everywhere there's visions there's genius cops that don't exist in real life there's like i'm gonna i'm gonna take i'm gonna break your your criticism down but i will start i'll start by agreeing with you 
so that we're okay. on the same page a little bit. They they do lean on the this is my design. That's what I call the power. The this is my design aspect of the show, which is him doing that little like shutter over the screen and being able to reenact any of these crimes and get clues from the reenactment reenactments basically. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the character of Will Graham, his special power or his special talent. They lean on that way too heavily in this um, in this pilot. I, I will counted say, three times with that sequence. Yes, and this, and I will say that this is a it's a disadvantage that I know what happens, and I know that they abandon that plot device. Mm, good. So, and and again, we can talk about this in terms of a pilot, and that may, perhaps they had to include something like that to adhere to like the traditional um, procedural formula right not everybody has a power but they're like you said there's always a genius who can kind of like just pick clues out of midair like even brooklyn 99 andy samberg has epiphanies like he again is super powered in some way so this is like a a comedy that has no (laughs) doesn't need to like be super into the crime that it solves yeah and that actually might be part of it the epiphanies are like a shortcut to solving the crime but in this case, they do get rid of the a lot of they do get rid of a lot of like the flashing. This is my this is by design or my design type of things. Season two becomes more of like a measured character study, and I think the closing his eyes thing is really really lame. <laughs> yeah, so, that's kind of cringish. So if you just saw this and you quit after this, then yeah, I mean, I think that would be the aspect that turned people off or that would turn people off like yourself. You have no way of knowing that it becomes like this crazy, I guess the best word for it is a character study and this really slow burn tale where it's not monster of the week. It's like season long stories, but in the pilot, it's very much monster of the week. It is very much a a guy with a superpower. And yeah, I, I could see how that would turn you off. Now your your other criticisms were so did you like the music or did you not like it? Well, I liked it the first time, but then it became almost like all right, the music is part of his power. You're gonna hear the heartbeat. It's gonna be like this scary techno, and it's gonna escalate to the point where then he jumps into the pure empathy zone of clue finding, <laughs> like and then that. he comes out of it, and it's like ooh, he might as well just like shake his face and have his tongue and eyeballs pop out like a cartoon. I wish I could enter the pause sometimes. That's the pure, oh no, it'd be the Pez. Even better. It's your empathy state. I, no, the pure empathy zone. Yeah, yeah, the, the Pez. The Pez, I like that. So I would say but, that I love the music first off. It's by a guy named Brian Reitzel, and um, he worked on, I have a list that basically makes him the best, Hannibal, Lost in Translation, yeah, Virgin Suicides, Friday Night Lights. You literally can't have a better resume for hipster film fans than those four entities or five entities. So, and I'm I, not saying it's not good for what it is. They hired him and said, hey, dude, do a techno scary heartbeat, and he did right. a good one. I'm just saying I don't need it three times in a 40-minute pilot. Like it, one or maybe two times to emphasize it, but like... It gets repetitive. I, yeah. It, it, does, it gets repetitive in this instance. He becomes... He becomes more so of an, an organic composer in that a lot of the things he does in the show that are really creepy, he's able to do without like synth, which I think is really cool in this instance. He does like 
I have I have a vinyl record of the Hannibal soundtrack that a place called Mondo released, and he tells a story about how he made this really really creepy like scratching type of sound, and he made it with like this tube toy that his daughter had, and mm-hmm. he, by just like running some like drumstick across this tube toy thing, it was able to make this really creepy sound. But that's beside the point, and I just wanted to bring up that he does go a little away from the synth. Um, okay, so where should we I will go agree with that? you that, that my criticism, I mean, it is a pilot, so they got to cram these plot devices and right. ideas and stuff to see what sticks. And I'm glad that they, like, wised up and saw that was kind of bad. And I, w- I will um, say yeah. it's unfair of me to bring other stuff in to attack your <laughs> argument because you, you literally don't know that. So This is a pilot study, Chris. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I'll back off. This is season two study. You know, I'm wondering... So you didn't like the writing, which I actually think is maybe the strongest part of this. Did you not like the writing because of how hard it hit on the Hannibal's going to be evil thing? Because that's the thing I don't like about the writing in this pilot. I love, like, I made a note of, like, a good catchphrase from this. But I hate, you can tell when, like, bad catchphrases and the stuff that he said under his breath, like, I've, oh man, I wish I would have noted the exact I've, line. I've, like, I've, I've got so do walls or whatever. He's like, <laughs> under his like, uh, friends are, come close, and he's like, so do walls. Are, are you talking about Will Graham's quips or Hannibal's? Yes, quips? he's too quip driven. Oh. Like, is anybody? He's almost like a, an emo Sheldon. <laughs> he's sad oh Sheldon. Dude. He he's so like a is. professor that's like, you know, he in the sad, humanities. He is sad Sheldon with the Pez. It is, man. man. Okay, so he might as well be just saying like "bazinga" to Hannibal under his breath. I I think Hannibal's quips are actually worse, believe it or not. He's got one where um, Will Graham says, "I don't find you that interesting," and then Hannibal's quip is, "You will." Oh, don't give it away much that you're evil. I mean, everybody knows Hannibal's evil, but they they could play it like a little more coy. Or um, let's see, oh jeez. The cannibal you are getting will to know. I think I can help Will to see his face. Like Hannibal says that. Like the face is mine, obviously. So mm-hmm. I think I can help him see that it's me. And uh, there's a couple more, but Hannibal's really leaning into like, hey, do you want to catch me in the pilot? Because I'm giving you everything. Right. He's winking <laughs> the whole time at the camera. He's like giving Jim looks to the camera. <laughs> yeah. He really is. I want I want Mads Mickelson to be in the office. I wish he was a guest star at one point. Um, so I would like to go, say go um, a good catchphrase. The best one is that fear is the price of imagination. Yeah, that's a good um, one. That was a, a zing, man. That one got me. Um, <laughs> are we ready to move on to the next thing I didn't like? <laughs> yeah, well, what's, what was the next thing? Let me see if I can attack it. I feel that there is vegetarian and vegan propaganda throughout this Whoa. episode. Let me tell you this. Okay. And I'm not against – actually, I feel some meat guilt in my life. Um, I don't. I don't when I'm eating it, but I do before and after. But that's every food I eat, so you know. Now, um, is, is this guilt – I'm sorry to sidetrack. Is this guilt attached to like you trying to stay healthy or is it attached to no. like the treatment of animals treatment okay. i don't care about my gut man i mean <laughs> whatever like i care to an extent that i don't want to ride around in a scooter but you know 
Yeah, no, I, I guess do have a couple events that I can't look too fat at this year, so I'm trying to like rein it in a little bit. But you know what I mean. I like meat so much that I don't watch or try to digest any of that media that would make me like it less. It's hard, dude. Yeah, yeah, that's. You can't watch Food Inc. You can't watch any of that stuff ever. It kills me, man. Any excuse but, I have to avoid documentaries, hey, you know, pass it my way. I'm good. Well, you can make up for it in other areas of life where you're willing to change, I guess. True. I recycle, so back off. Hey, I don't. So <laughs> there we go. We're, we even out. But okay, I mean, what's so, the next thing you don't like? So, oh, the propaganda. So animal imagery. Now, I feel there was a scene near the beginning. It was right after we're introduced to Hannibal. It's one of the first cutaways showing him. It shows an animal. And then it shows a human, and then it shows him eating meat. And that left me feeling like, oh, so what's the difference? He's eating people, but we're all eating living things too. Like, it just crept in. They were always quick to show animal, human, meat, and him eating. Like, he's Brad Pitt in here. He's eating every scene. Mm-hmm. He's got salads going, and he's cooking people eggs. Like, is Will eating human meat? Like, oh, he. I'll just spoil Yeah, he definitely is. Oh, see what I'm saying? Like, he's like, oh, this is good. Yeah, there you go. And then he's going to have like a scene, you know. Come on. Like, so your propaganda is believing that they are, by replacing. flashing these images together for a reason. Okay, and by replacing the regular place of meat in our meals with human meat, they're trying to say something as in we are eating ourselves. Do you think it's part of, partly that? I think they're saying we are just as bad for eating animals as, as Hannibal, Hannibal is, is for okay. eating humans because we're all alive. And then Will is so like sympathetic. He's sleeping with 10 dogs in a weird cabin. <laughs> like I was watching this part of the show and I kind of looked down at my phone and I looked back up and I'm like, am I is this a different show? Am I imagining this? This is too weird. Like Well, I, I didn't get that whole part. The pro- the propaganda aspect. Yeah, or how he ended up in a house sleeping with 10 dogs. Like, what? why was he – like, was that a vision? I, I no, wasn't it's, following. It's not, it's not a vision, but I think it's important in that it comes – I believe it comes either directly after or directly before the pure empathy line. And if you're going to go out on that limb and you're going to attribute his power, in quotes, to this – to this pure empathy and the ability to step into anyone's shoes, you have to show him not be an asshole. And so they have this stray dog. He picks up the dog. He brings it back. And you know that he and he has eight or nine strays, right, that he's rescued. I mean, that to me, that's the most important sequence in the episode because it sets him up as our sympathetic character before. He's kind of a jerk, and it's like, okay, okay, dude, you have this power. Don't be a dick about using it to help save girls like right. stop being such an asshole turn it, down the dick factor it has to there has to be something good about him that we can attach to and the easiest thing is that okay he is, he's an animal lover and, and we're all animal lovers and we whereas all, we all love dogs. Is an animal hater and eats all animals including <laughs> humans. imagine if he were to have nine cats this would be a different thing it would so I think that that's the purpose of that scene in okay, my mind. I get it now. But um, okay, so Stop. I've got a couple things I want to bring up. Okay. One, the, was there any title sequence on the on the version you watched? Uh, there was not. I opened up onto a vision. Okay, there there are title sequences later. I don't know why they don't do them here, but that's strange that there's no title sequence. I, I like how they did it though, in that 
it's more like cinematic in that the title just kind of appears at the bottom when we cut to the FBI place where he's teaching. I, I, I enjoyed that. I thought it was pretty cool. I don't really think the opening title sequence that they eventually settle on is anything to write home about. So I wish they would have just kept this kind of cinematic placing of the title around and maybe placed at different places determining like impact or whatever. Uh, let me see. I like that. I like when yeah. they say like Baltimore, March 25th. I like when they tell you where they are. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know why, but I like that on TV. They wouldn't do it in a movie, but like it's a good TV device. Mm-hmm. Uh, going down my notes here, uh, the again, I, I referenced the special ability again. He, they actually say he's special, and it feels like a really piloty move. And he, so he's not just really smart. Yet they have to combine it with like a little bit of crazy, or he's not. And again, this is like birthed in the, the basically the apex of anti-hero culture, like Breaking Bad. This was 2013, so Breaking Bad, Mad Men, Walking Dead, everything is about anti-heroes. So this guy couldn't just be like a nice dude. He's got to have like a little yeah. bit of crazy. He's got to be a little dickish. I get why they did it. It doesn't work for him, and it, they don't keep that up. But it does not. It doesn't work for him. Um, one more thing, and then we'll just kind of, we should do a plot overview at some point. Okay. But I would like to point out like an aesthetic thing in that, uh, the director's name is David Slade. He did did things like 30 Days a Night, and he does a lot of other important Hannibal episodes. But what I really love about the cinematography in this, and that's not really Slade, I'll have to get the cinematographer, is that the camera's always moving. It's very, very active. Like when we, when we see the girl's body, coming out of a commercial break, the one they find back in the bed where she was taken from. They don't just, like, get on the body like they would in an episode of NYPD Blue. It's like, we're on the body, slow zoom out, like, right away. The camera is always doing some kind of zoom or some kind of movement. It's always active, and scenes that would feel static and boring because it is a procedural and they're still using those elements... They're yeah. they're a little more exciting and they have a little more energy, so it's it's not a lazily sh- made show. Not even in like the pilot, it gets a lot more ambitious plot wise, which I think you'll appreciate. But it's not lazy ever in how it's made. And I think it looks. I think it looks really good. Yeah, it does look cool. It doesn't. Um, I mean, it looks dark. It's almost got like a Fincher mm-hmm. look at times. I thought. Um, no, but that's my bias too i kind of watch these things like dexter dexter was very bright though because it's miami and stuff this was darker which i enjoy yeah this is the the maryland uh dc type <laughs> area now i, I want to do the plot thing in two ways i want you to give your plot breakdown and then okay. I'm, then i'm going to give mine based on the knowledge that i have from watching all the episodes okay. so you want my plot summary of this pilot yeah i want a first time viewers plot summary just to see like how people would come into this episode if they watched it today. All right. Well, here's how it went. <laughs> um, so we're in Maryland, and Lawrence Fishburne, uh, best known to me as the dad from Boys in the Hood. <laughs> not, um, not Morpheus. Uh, wow. Nah, I prefer him in Boys. In- I love. I like the first Matrix movie, but. I always go to Boys in the Hood, man. That must I must have seen it more. What an interesting white entry point. Because the, the Matrix is like the whitest movie ever made. So. And Boys in the Hood, not very white. No. <laughs> so keep going. 
So, all right. So Larry Fishburne gets his own cop show because I guess they ran out of CSIs and NCIs and BDIs and whatever else is there. And Ted Danson was unavailable. Ted Danson is <laughs> hopefully filming Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, I hope. So, in anyway, Fishburne's a cop, and a blue-collar, smart, hard worker. So he goes, and he's, like, seeing all these weird murders. There's, like, some sort of theme. And he goes to the expert, Will Graham, the nutty professor. Which, by the way, why do I dress exactly like the Hollywood stereotype of, like, the nerdy, <laughs> weird professor? I felt very awkward about that. Can I pause you for a second? I have a new portion of our show that we're going to debut today. It's called Rating Glasses. All right? Okay. And we are going to sit here and we're going to rate the glasses characters wear. And today I want to focus on Will Graham. Perfect. Way too small for his face. Like, they're these little, yeah. little tiny glasses and he has this big, huge head. I'm going to give him a B minus. Too small. I'm going to give him a, a B plus. Ooh. I'm going to agree with you, but I think they nailed the aesthetic. And the he's, like, so crazy, he wouldn't care that his glasses were too small. He doesn't have time to think about that. True. He, he has such empathy for the world that he sacrifices eyewear comfort. Okay. I can appreciate that. So uh, between a B minus and a B plus, the size yeah. is off, but the aesthetic is right. Continue. Yeah. So... So he goes and meets this guy. Of course, they always walk into the last four minutes of a professor's class instead of just being a professional and waiting in their office or the hall. Cops always and shows just want to catch a little bit of the lecture. Like maybe they miss college and want to hear um, Will Graham. So you get the vibe that he's like, ooh, crazy spooky Dexter. <laughs> and then so they go on a couple adventures and along the way you meet the woman that will graham will bone so they set that up she'll make him normal because you can't be normal in this world unless you're having sex hmm. um and then uh yada 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 you see a slab of meat on a plate this is about halfway through you finally see hannibal's scary face mm-hmm and of course, I like the fact like um, when they're mixing worlds and it's like the know your enemy, he's right there, like you said, catch me if you can, dude, I'm right in your face. I kind of, I really did like that. That made up for a lot for me as far as just like little conventions and boring network stuff like we talked about. <clears throat> so then they figure out the motivation for the killer the type of person he's killing um they find some metal that leads they find some metal yes that's a certain pipe of a certain grade of a certain chemical that would only be in a few select construction sites and all the time it's building suspense because you're thinking is hannibal going to attack this dude in the pilot are they going to go that route or is they going to toy with them a little bit like because I could see it going either way, and then he kind of escapes, and then you've got like the chase element happening. Mm -hmm. um, but I like that they stuck with, you know, keep your enemies closer type of thing. Uh, and then the kind of climax, which I thought was actually pretty cool and mysterious, and I'm curious about why. And um, anyway, Hannibal calls, they find out a guy who they think is a suspect. Hannibal kind of gives them a call and just says very mysteriously, like they know 
and you get to the house. Will Graham's trying to investigate, and it's like bloodbath happening. Mm-hmm. Wife comes out bloody. Hannibal just kind of stands in the background. No one's heard of nine one one in this universe <laughs> when they shot this I pilot. I also don't get why he killed the wife, but keep going. Yeah, so the guy who's a suspect in Will Graham's mind, um, bloody wife pops out the front door. Will pulls out a nine milli because all professors are given nine millimeters with no training and let alone in uh, crime scenes in the FBI on the he, federal level. He works at the FBI. He's an instructor. Oh, wait. Okay. Never mind. He's an instructor in the FBI, not college. I got my um, shows mixed up. Hmm. Let me get back to Will Graham. Okay. So he, he just doesn't act or wear the FBI stuff. I guess that's why I kept thinking it was like a college, but. He's not your typical FBI guy. Let's just put it that way. Hmm. So Yeah, keep going. The end. He gets in there, and the suspect man now has a knife to his daughter's throat. He slices it. She falls to the ground. Will Graham immediately unloads his magazine. Hannibal comes in. Again, why any rational human wouldn't call 911 at this (laughs) point? But he just looks at this girl bleeding while Will Graham clearly is... He can't handle blood because he's just a nerd. So um, Hannibal eventually, like, saves her and then is allowed in the ambulance with her because all, like, weird psychologists are just allowed in random ambulances of people (laughs) they aren't related to. Um, Okay, well, I'll drop a few little tidbits to to add to your plot summary. One, the girl comes back. The girl who has her neck slit. She comes back and is important. Two. Good. I think you're over-sexualizing Will Graham a little bit. And okay. I, I think you'll, if, if you like read this, not, I, I, it seems like you're not going to continue watching, which is fine. But <laughs> if you like read up on how the show concluded or what the reactions were, they, I think they're doing that for a reason. There's a, okay. I think you may have settled on the wrong subtext, mm. like the vegan subtext. But there, I, there's, <laughs> a no, there's another subtext that rides throughout this entire series, and it has to do with those two main guys. Okay. And it's interesting. Right. And we can talk after. <laughs> you I think you'll be interested in that. So there there are there are some like little seeds being set throughout this first episode. And I think the biggest seed is that Hannibal and Will will have this kind of mental gymnastic match. I don't know if there's such a thing as a gymnastic match, but they will be battling <laughs> each other mentally both in <coughs> both in treatment and in the field. And that's really that really settles as being like the main the main conflict of the series is between them and it's not really physically, it's mostly mentally. Which I think is something that makes the show really, really good. Like second season of Hannibal is probably one of the better seasons of television ever created. Hmm. First and third. First is pretty rough, third is good but not great. Second is it's really high up there. Uh, some huh. some other things I want to mention. Dan Fogler as Franklin, <laughs> the uh, the patient. Do you know who Dan Fogler is? He's in like Balls of Fury, and like other dumb comedy stuff. Um, I probably know his face, but not the name. Yeah, so he's like the patient that Hannibal is talking to. The the only patient he has. Oh, the guy yeah. who's crying, the big, the bigger dude. Yep, yep, that's him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that guy. Uh, so. 
I, I, I really like how we are introduced to Hannibal's food before him. Because another thing that the series carries on is that they really, really emphasize food preparation for some reason. Okay. And they actually had somebody on staff. His name was Jose Andres. And he was the culinary consultant. He would build like the plates and stuff, like professional plating style. So Hannibal's like uh, skill in plating and cooking is the thing they keep hearkening back on over and over and over again. Whether he's cooking with human meat or whatever, and his dinner parties become like this thing that is like a central thing to the series. So showing that to me is so disgusting. Like how <laughs> there's like one scene per episode where he's cutting up human meat and just making something delicious out of it, which could play into you know what you had seen in terms of your uh, your subtext there. Well, I don't know. See, the thing with TV shows with me, especially pilots, is like with Breaking Bad, I didn't stick with that until my third viewing of the pilot. Like the first time I turned it on, I didn't finish the pilot of probably the best show ever because I bring all these – I project a lot onto TV because I was raised by it. So it's basically my parents that I'm angry at. And so if I watch this again knowing like more about it, I'll pay more attention. I'll be more likely to care about like little details instead of just being like, oh, this is bullshit. I know what they're trying to do here. And then I just like miss stuff and – like, I have a rough relationship with this subject matter as it is. Yeah, you're not a big horror guy. No, but this specifically, like, um, we have time. Like, we're yeah, we go ahead. time for a little story. But mm-hmm. so when I was a kid, I, like, my cousins were so mean to me. They made me watch Nightmare on Elm Street when I was five years old. And then they would, oh my like, God. <laughs> and then they would, like, force me into the basement and shut the door and be like, furnace is down there freddy's gonna get you and like um they lived out in the woods and they would always be like there was bodies of water and they'd be like yeah jason lives in that water dude he's gonna get you tonight and stuff like that and uh so i've like was scarred by horror stuff even the campy stuff that isn't scary to me now like you know what i mean like 30 years later almost i'm still like i hate it so I bring that to the table. Then when I was like mixing in my step family, my brother, who now I love is like my best friend. Well, we had mad beef because we were like step bros and territorial pissings and all that. (laughs) So he like there's that night vision part in the Silence of the Lambs movie. And so like he would reenact that on me and like come and grab my feet and stuff out of my bed and like throw stuff at me and be like, oh, it's a liver and stuff like that. (laughs) So I, I, like, am scarred by this shit. And then, like, so Hannibal Lecter to me is just the least sympathetic. Like, it freaks me out so, because he's a guy. Like, you know there are sickos like that. No, there definitely are. And uh, they probably prepare their meat very well. <laughs> right. And, they probably and who knows? Like, probably what are the chances it? I've eaten human meat? Like, is there a chance? Um, I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. I guess anything's possible. I'm not, I'm not a cannibal, so I haven't served it to you. That's you did make chocolate covered bacon once. That was chocolate covered liver, actually. <laughs> so. so I don't know. I just I bring all, all that, and then like I said before, I'm I'm gearing myself to be a person as far as like not being hate as my initial reaction to everything and this critical like what's wrong with it? What are they trying to do? How is the man trying to brainwash me? Like, 
I want to be entertained by stuff, but it's this was tough for me. Like, I just didn't want to watch it. I put it off until today, and um, you know, it's Hannibal, man. Well, I won't do it. There's only one Hannibal pilot, so I can't do this to you again. And Thank re- you. really, we should blame the listeners because they're the ones that voted. This they is a, voted hard for this. This is a reader's choice episode, and Hannibal crushed like uh, our three other entries, which were Penny Dreadful, uh, Joe. Or Neon Joe, Werewolf Hunter, and what was the last one? Supernatural. So we could have watched any of those shows, but the readers were punishing you. I think. I, guess I, so, I think that's what it was. Uh, let's see. What, what else do I got? I do like the visual madness that creeps in, like the the very Shining esque blood coming into the sink as he washes his face. Uh, he won't get too close. The promise that Jack Crawford makes over and over again in this show, he continually breaks it. Obviously, he's going to get very close and in over his head. We can tell that from the first episode. And uh, what did you think of Mads Mikkelsen as Hannibal? Because that's obviously the central performance here. And I don't know. What did you think of the actual acting in the show? Um, As him as Hannibal, I think that was really well cast. As was, I think it was a well cast show. I love Fishburne. If I watch this, honestly, because I want to watch him. Mm-hmm. Um. So, I, yeah, I like him as Hannibal. He's definitely creepy looking. I, I'm sure he doesn't walk around looking like that, probably I dressed think, all weird. And, I think the accent helps, too, because it makes him seem very otherworldly. Yes. Like very alien, and I, obviously his actions match that. And it's not a British accent that like everyone loves. That would make him too likable, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. It's like the more hated European kind of, is he German, is he like Austrian, what's up with them kind of thing. And Hugh Dancy, is, Hugh Dancy is British, and I thought his American accent was pretty pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that until I looked him up and everything. It's always so weird when it goes the opposite way and you think they're American and they aren't. Like when they're... American trying to be British, obviously, we all know American actors were fed them our whole lives. But mm-hmm. when you hear a guy, like, I didn't know uh, Hugh Laurie was British. I knew nothing of his whole <laughs> oh, comedy really? career until I, I only knew him from House. And then I saw him in an interview. I was like, what the hell? So Yeah, it's usually like the late night interviews that reveals all. Yes, yes. <laughs> like Jillian. Like- Conan or something, they enter my world. Like, I'm still trying to determine if Jillian Anderson from X Files and. She actually is on Hannibal later on. If she's British or not, because sometimes she'll do interviews with like a British accent. Sometimes she'll be a, like on Jimmy Kimmel recently. She had an American accent, so I don't exactly know like where she falls. Maybe she's like a Day Lewis and she's um, methoding it. Oh shit, probably. She's. I mean, I think she has been in British shows before, so that is possible. Does uh, Day Lewis do interviews? Like, is he out there like that? Not often. Not unless he's in like a commercial movie, which I. I would assume the last one was There Will Be Blood wasn't commercial, so the last one was probably Gangs in New York. I bet he had to do interviews for. I'm going to look that up. he doesn't often do them, no. Because he's often in these movies, these like Paul Thomas Anderson movies that they don't have like big press junkets and they don't really do a lot of like late night stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I will also mention the showrunner. He's the brains behind this operation. His name's Brian Fuller. He also did a show called Wonderfalls, which was kind of like a cult thing. It lasted a year. And then he did a show called Pushing Daisies. 
So he's really good at shows that critics love, but audiences don't show up for. <laughs> uh, that's unfortunate. I always feel bad for for artists like that because they can't help it. Like they just make what they make, and yeah. some really great stuff goes unnoticed, unfortunately, and some crap goes to the top and stays there for twelve seasons. Yeah, but... this show. Are you talking about Always Sunny in Philadelphia? <laughs> that was shots <laughs> fired. That was a sub sub. Uh, Subtweet. Shout out to Big Bang, I think. Oh, gotcha. Uh, so, yeah, he Hannibal struggled to stay on the air, really, its whole time, I think. It never, and it was like a mid-season type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it premiered in April, which is not, I don't think that's usually when shows premiere. No, that's what <laughs> Office did Excuse that, me. I remember. Yeah, The Office did that with their six. And um, Caroline, I think it's Deverness De- De- or something? I'd have yeah, to look at her um, IMDb. Sorry, sorry if I all due if respect. I her name. Yeah, all, everything. All due respect if she listens. She was in. Yeah, she was. She was the lead. She... The lead in Wonderfalls. So that's kind of where he brought her from. Uh, Hugh Dancy was the first cast in this show, and it was like between David Tennant, who was recently in Jessica Jones and was the Doctor Who, and Mads Mikkelsen for Hannibal. So it was all, almost another British guy that got Hannibal. But uh, Mads must have snuck in there somehow. Uh, I would also, I also want to bring up a review real quick. We we did this at the beginning and we kind of forgot about it. But there's a couple of cool, a couple of cool review quotes and then a quote from Fuller himself. Todd Vanderwerf, who writes with the AV Club, gave it an A minus, and he said, in a weird way, the show Hannibal is most reminiscent of HBO's Great Mist in Treatment. Like that show, many of the characters here are students of psychology or at least know a little about the field. Like that show, most of the best scenes here simply involve two people sitting in a room and just talking. I think he's, he's right on the ball there. And Brian Fuller said... Yeah, I would agree with that. Brian Fuller said this about the danger in the show. What we have is Alfred Hitchcock's principle of suspense. Show the audience the bomb under the table, Hannibal, and let them sweat when it's going to go boom. So I think both of those, I think both of those quotes summarize this show in a nice way. I agree with that. Suspense, other than Larry Fishburne, it, um, the yeah, suspense would keep me going through this just because they are entrenched in a mind game. Right, I, I'm right. into stuff like that. It's a mind game, and Hannibal is the bomb. It's not really the victims or the right. mon- monster of the week things they do for a while. There's a couple really bad like standalone episodes in this first season. It's just him when he's going to reveal himself, which he does eventually, but it, it does take a while. So it does take a while. Um, one more weird thing I wanted to bring up because we're running out of time here is why why wouldn't he let the dad of the dead daughter open the door? What was the, what was that all about? Um, he got like really mad for a second that the dad was going to open that bedroom door. Was it for evidence or what was that? Yeah, I don't I don't know. Maybe because if there's another person in the room that's too much empathy and his powers can only have pure empathy if it's on one subject <laughs> at a time. That's or maybe they just true. don't want him in the way. Maybe they wanted to play up the creep factor or I think maybe they tried to make it seem like he was a psycho too. Hmm. A little bit. Yeah, and no, like I he, said, I'm he's... reading in. I'm trying to see is this like a Dexter scenario where this guy's going to kill Hannibal because he kills bad guys or something like he's certainly off and and not in a good way so right so I'm yeah. thinking maybe he's got a sexual thing with these dead bodies who knows but yeah perhaps that uh, was pretty early in the show too if I'm not mistaken so a lot of stuff hadn't come to light yet how much time do we got left we have about two minutes left 
Oh, that's, uh, I mean, should we, uh, let's take this time. I was going to play a game of spin out, but we'll wait for next time to play that. Do you want to tease our next series? Our next theme, I guess. Um, yeah, if you, if you want to, man, let the people know what they're in for next month. Okay. So next month we are going to do shows, um, under the theme, wrong side of the tracks. And uh, so I think we're going to start with the OC. Is that what we decided on? The OC, Ryan Atwood, coming from Chino <laughs> yeah. to Orange County. And what's up, man? Yeah, welcome to the OC, bitch. Now listen, if you think the OC is about Seth and Summer, you then better, you missed it. You the OC is about right Ryan Atwood. Well, he's the main character, right? And Adam, oh, Bro- and Adam Brody's 28 in that show. <laughs> right, playing 17, and it's perfect. That guy, oh man, we're going to have a lot to talk about because that show changed my life, man. This is like one of the foundational shows for you. This, yeah, I mean, it changed the music I listened to. It definitely, like, yeah, I, I went totally, like we were talking about before, um, yeah, pivotal, pivotal and grimes. Let's end with a little bit of what we've been watching. So we'll wrap up Hannibal. That was a, a good up on Hannibal. But uh, what have yes. you been watching? Anything new that's popped up? Rick and Morty. I finally did oh, it. Oh, yeah. Tell it's me about It's available that. now um, on adultswim.com. Every episode is there for you. If uh, all both seasons, um, I loved it. Very cool. I've been watching a show called The Killing, and it was on. Oh, a- it was on, yeah, it was on AMC for like a year, and or a couple years, and then it moved to Netflix. I think for its final season, but yeah, it's been pretty good so far. A good supporting character that uh, this guy named Holder Holder, I think his name is. He's kind of like a drug addict cop type of role. And uh, very, very entertaining. I, I, I quite enjoy it. So that's kind of cool. what I've been if watching. I, Go ahead. If I watch a cop show, I want a dirty cop at least. I want them to be some, there to be some conflict. I don't just want a hero and all that. This is going to fill your quota for sure if we, cool. ever, if we ever do that pilot. All right, well, let's, uh, let's wrap it up. This has been Pilot Study episode number 11. And, uh, well, thank you, Grimes, for joining me. Hey, no problem. I made it through. No nightmares. Nothing to be scared of with this thing except for some of the plot miscues and uh, other things. Well, and this is going to wrap up our our Monster Hunters month. So if you guys have been listening so far, we did X-Files, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. What was our third one? Scooby-Doo, man. Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? And Hannibal. So uh, we might bring this It's a theme. good month. Yeah, we might bring this theme back in the future if we can find four more good ones. And uh, But thanks for listening and I think our highest number, numbered one right now is either, it's pretty close. It's between Man in the High Castle and X-Files. So you guys came out and supported that one. So a uh, big thanks to you guys. Uh, Definitely. S- subscribe on iTunes. Follow us at Pilot Study Pod on Twitter. And email us any show suggestions at pilotstudypod at gmail.com. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Ryan Atwood was a good kid caught in a bad situation. you got to have a plan. Some kind of a dream. And things were about to go from bad to worse. I want you to go to my house. Mom, where am I going to go? Only now, he's getting another chance at life. You brought him home? In a whole new world. He's not a criminal mastermind. He's a kid who has nowhere to go. But in the OC, nothing is as it seems. Welcome to the dark side. Fox presents a new series about one kid who had nothing to live for. This is how it's done in Orange County. And one family who needed something to hold on to. I don't want this kid in my 
house anymore. Where's he supposed to go? He has a family. It's not up to you to decide whether or not they're good enough. Welcome to the OC. What do you think of Newport? I think I could get in less trouble where I'm from. You have no idea. A new series coming soon.